Welcome to Foundations, a podcast from Field Partner. We're an online portal of resources, training materials, courses and coaching for cross-cultural workers at each stage of their journey. This podcast is the home of our biblical teaching, which is an essential foundation for effective cross-cultural work and for following Jesus faithfully. For free courses, blogs, interviews and more, check out our website, fieldpartner.org, and follow us on social media to keep up to date with our latest resources. Hi, this is Ross Patterson. I started last month on the subject of Joseph, and I'd like to continue with that. This month, I want to look at two keys to faithfulness in Joseph's life. Now, I suspect that some of us will know those keys, but I want to give a slight, as it were, sting in the tail to them. The first one is that Joseph was faithful to God's word and promise to him. I started last time in Psalm 105, and uh, in many ways I feel that's such a defining passage concerning Joseph that I'd like to go back there again. And the word says this, um, Psalm 105:16. They God called for a famine in the land, and he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. So uh, God was uh, engineering a process of events in his people's lives, and God sent his man, Joseph, sold as a slave. I dwelt last time on the whole issue of uh, the effortless brigade and the grumpy brigade, some who would have no place, it would seem, for God's man being sold as a slave. Um, and the danger of the grumpy brigade, that they feel that's what happens all the time. But I want to move on from there this time and look at verse 19. They hurt his feet with fetters, verse 18 actually, they hurt his feet with fetters, he was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Now I want to suggest to you, uh, I would think there are various interpretations here, when it says until the time his word came to pass, I think his word means the word that Joseph gave, um, We'll look at it in a minute, to his brothers and his father when he talked about the dreams. So he stood on that word, stood on the promises of God, the um, word that has come through the dreams, until the word of the Lord released him. And during that time, the word of the Lord tested him. If you're told that your brothers and your father are going to bow down to you and your mother and the brothers said about killing you and all this kind of thing. You're going to have a rough time actually holding on to that word. But Joseph did hold on to that word. And you know uh, what I referred to um, in Genesis chapter 39, in Genesis chapter 37, verse 5. Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I've dreamed. And... Um, Basically, his brother's reaction in Genesis 37, 8, his brother said to him, shall you indeed reign over us or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then verse 9, he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers. Look, I've dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon and the 11 stars bound down to me. Well, sun, moon, 11 stars. Uh, when it was told to his father by Joseph and his brothers, 
his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And you know these brothers did. Um, I'd have to check on whether his father did. Well, he must have done if the word of God says so. Um, certainly when Joseph was such a powerful man, his brothers bowed and scraped um, by the time we'd gone about three chapters. But for now, they tossed that word out of the window. They just fundamentally rejected that word. But what scripture says in Psalm 105 is that Joseph himself held on to it until the time that his word, the, the dream that his brothers and then his brother, mother and father would bow down to him came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. And that was 13 years, 13 years during which time the word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him, the ruler of the people, let him go free, made him lord over his house and ruler over his possessions. <clears throat> the first test of faithfulness, then, is standing on the word of God. Now, I want to suggest to you there are two elements of that. Element number one is that we find out what it is that God is saying to us. What is his call? What is his promise? What is his crafted identity of our lives through his promise. You don't make that up. That's a very, very important thing. And secondly, having got that, having defined it, we hold on to that against the kind of thing that happens to Joseph. And that was pretty terrible stuff. Now, that's key number one to faithfulness. Faithful in believing the promise of God as defined in Psalm 105. Here's the sting in the tail. The sting in the tail is that it was for the benefit of others, not just for himself. If you're familiar with the story, you'll know that the beautiful, beautiful uh, subsequent element in it, when finally, 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 Joseph uh, reveals to his brothers who he is. <clears throat> in Genesis chapter 45, verse 4. Joseph said to his brothers, please come near me. This was after all the business with Simeon and with Benjamin and back and forth and Jacob saying, you're going to send me down to the grave in tears and all this kind of stuff. And finally, Joseph, uh, some, it's been interesting reading it. Some people think Jesus, Joseph was just being mean to his brothers. I don't think so. I think that uh, one writer that I saw had a beautiful, beautiful definition. He fundamentally said that until the brothers articulated their sin against Joseph, uh, not in his presence. When things were going really badly, they didn't know who Joseph was. The, the money is returned and they're in trouble. The money and the cup is found in Benjamin's sack and, and they're in serious trouble. Until they articulated their sin, number one, until Judah said to his father, I will take responsibility for this issue um, and cease to be they ceased to be the murderer of their younger brother and became the protector of uh, Benjamin, their younger brother, uh, in a way diametrically opposite. And until that happened, I don't think Joseph uh, was ready to reveal to them who he was. But he did in, in chapter 40, 45, verse 4. Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. 
For these two years, the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. Remember, uh, the interpretation of Pharaoh's dream said there were going to be seven years of feast and seven years of famine. Joseph is saying, verse 6, we've had two years, there's another five to come. And God sent me before you, Genesis 45, verse 7, to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. Wow. They sold him. They betrayed him. They almost killed him. Uh, They treated him, to say the least, wretchedly. But he's able to say, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he made me a father to Pharaoh, the lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord over over all of Egypt. Come down to me and do not tarry. Verse 11, I will provide for you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty, for there are still five years of famine. The point then, the sting in the tail, very simply, is that this standing on the promises was not for him, but it was for his posterity. Of course it was for him, it couldn't happen without him, but the intent, the purpose of it that Joseph saw is this thing is for my people, this thing is for others, this thing is for the brothers who've treated me so lousily, for my father, for the family. Now, if we lay a hold of this, this is quite, quite extraordinary, and it's absolutely critical. If we're standing on the promises for the benefit of ourselves, then we're way short of the promises of the the purposes of God. If we understand that these promises are given for, uh, for others as well as ourselves, then we're really standing on the promises. Indeed, uh, I've just been down in India uh, ministering with some Chinese leadership and with some uh, a, a fantastic brother from um, uh, Indonesia. And what was absolutely clear to us is that you define a ministry. We, we had a number of uh, Indian leaders, including a number from Nagaland, which is uh, purportedly 99% Christian, some wonderful brothers and sisters, What was absolutely clear to us is I define my ministry not by my miracles, my this, my that. I define it by what I leave behind, by uh, what is imparted into the next generation. We talk in our lingo of what's called the red bus theory. In other words, if you're uh, sent to be with a father crossing the street by a red bus, what do you leave behind? Is it just a memory of what a fantastic uh, man and woman of God you are, or is there the impartation into, in Joseph's terms, the brothers? So you're, you're standing on the promises not for you, but for others. This Indonesian brother who, remarkable man, he took, um, with his father's permission, a hundred of the worst men from his father's church. Uh, when he was about 28, he now has a church of about 10,000 people. He didn't just take a hundred of the best, he took a hundred of the worst, which quite possibly his father, who was also a pastor, didn't want. Um, but the interesting thing he told me was his father, was either his father or his father-in-law, hardly, though he was a pastor, never preached himself. 
that he handed over to uh, others to preach, training them, uh, praying for them. You see what I'm saying? It's not standing on the promises for me only. It's for the work of God and the laborers that will have to be raised up. And Philip, this Indonesian brother, gave a very powerful example. He said, uh, there were two men in my church, remembering that number's now somewhere around 10,000. And he said, uh, these two men, one of them had the most remarkably powerful healing ministry you're ever likely to meet. Saw incredible miracles in praying for the sick. He said, uh, came across a man with a smashed jaw. He just grabbed hold of the jaw and in Jesus' name, yanked it back into the position it should be, and it was healed like that. Just enormous miracles. But the man became arrogant, became abusive of others around him. In other words, became, I'm it, it's my ministry. And in the end, left and is now pastoring a group of about a 100 people. Uh, ironic that where Philip started, this guy finished with a hundred people who probably are not going uh, anywhere in particular. Enormous charisma, gifting, but terrible character, and that terrible character expressed itself in an unwillingness to deal with, uh, to minister into the lives and release others. At the same time, Philip talked of uh, a young brother who was called to ministry but had a terrible, terrible stutter. But his heart was right. He was a servant who wanted to bless and minister into the lives of others. And consistently, God has used this brother. Philip said he uh, was sent out and he did well in planting a church and then uh, was sent into a church that was experiencing real difficulties. And because of his heart, because of his desire, not for me, my ministry, but to minister into the lives of others, um, God has significantly used him. What a contrast. One with everything, powerful healing ministry. One with very little, stutter. But one is significantly used by God and one is not. Why? Because one's heart is for the kingdom, to see others released and others blessed. The other's heart is for himself and his ministry. Joseph's heart in standing on the promises was not just for himself. It was for his family and indeed the whole of his people, the people of Israel, the Jews. Could I finish then with this question that I've already asked in a sense? What do you intend to leave behind? Some testimonies to your amazing ministry or standing on the promises of God for others to be raised up and blessed. Increasingly, uh, we were chatting about it in India, to hear people talk about their miracles and their incredible ministry, one of the dear Indian brothers was, was quite like that. He came in and immediately in the leadership room started talking about what he was doing. That, I think, to us and to some extent to God is a turn-off. When we're talking about the number, there was another lovely Indian brother who was from Nagaland and was a, a Bible college uh, president. And person after person popped up on the platform during the meeting and he would say, that's my student, he's my student, she's my student. Which model do you want, your mighty miracles and ministry or the next generation? Why are you standing on the promises, for you or for the people of God? Now, I said two keys to faithfulness. 
Uh, I'm not going to have time for the second one. I'll do that next month. Lord, help us, Father, that it isn't about claiming your promises for our ministry but claiming your and for our empire, but claiming your promises for your kingdom and for the release of others, Lord, who hopefully will be even better and more, more anointed than we are. Help us to stand on your promises for that, we pray. Lord, help those who struggle with difficult times to see this vision that you want to bless not just them, but the generations to come through them. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you found this resource encouraging. Why not subscribe to be notified of our future episodes? You can also check out our sister podcast, simply called Field Partner, featuring inspiring stories from experienced missionaries. Follow us on social media or sign up to our newsletter via the website to stay up to date on our latest resources.